Betsy Barking Outdoors. Yep. It's Saturday, April 18th, and you're listening to the Sherry Cast. I have on the line Mom. Sherry, how are you, Mom? How are you doing? I'm doing great, Todd. Thank you. Hey, it's uh, this is show number 37. It's been a while since we've done one of these. <laughs> we always uh, have good intentions, don't we? Yeah, we did. We were going to do one in Columbus, but what did we do? We ended up being, I, I ran out of gas or something after being flying all night. Yep. And uh, then we went power shopping. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> Which took a while. Yeah, well, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, boy, oh, boy, a lot of stuff, actually. And yeah. uh, lots happened in the last couple of months. It's been two months. We're, we've been naughty. I know it. I know. <laughs> well, it's just been um, nonstop. Yes, I, I agree. It's been nonstop. So what uh, – Tell I guess for the people that are checking out the show for the first time, why don't you, you, know, why don't you tell them about the Sherry Cast a little bit? We are a family recovering from a, a, a terrible, I guess I would say, a terrible loss in our life. We are a, a, went through, we were a grieving family. We were a recovering family. Uh, I I lost my husband. It'll be it's hard to believe three years come August. That's crazy. And we had a granddaughter in the throes of you know months in ICU and. Uh, so anyway, we we are evolving now. We are hugely healing. That's how we are now. And uh, boy, there's been a lot of events. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Yes, we do. And um, I think the, of course, you came out and hung out with me in Columbus for a little while. Where I was down there for a weekend. Yes, that was. So, uh, I just. The energy that I received from that is just incredible. You guys are such geniuses. And we, uh, you got into the secret on the Project Columbus, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What do you, you know, without telling anybody anything, what do you think? Think it's a good idea? I think it's so exciting. I think it's, I, I just think it's the future. <laughs> we can't say nothing more than that. No, we can't say anything more than that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, we're, uh, I'm, I'm excited about that project, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, we we went shopping for you, and we went to a uh, micro center. And what did, what did we get you? Oh yes, yeah, so that was Angelo's favorite store in the world. Yes, and uh, we got a laptop, and then we got all the crap to go with it, which I have no idea what half of that stuff was. Um, I did get a, a camera also because I wanted a camera that I didn't have to. I wanted. Uh, Point and shoot instead of point and one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> shoot. Technology has just improved, so I, I got a, a new little camera, and it's even smaller than my old one. So have you been using it? Yes, I have, actually. I oh, took good. a whole bunch of pictures down at my folks's. We'll talk about that much later in the podcast today. But, but you know, one thing that uh, we did is I was, you know, I had uh, was in this, you know, you had gotten the wireless there at the house. Actually, you're you're, you're connected to the internet via wireless, and you right. had your um, computer, a desktop, which mm-hmm. is older, that hooked up to that, and which for is so- starting to kind of act up a little. And we were getting scared. Yeah. So anyway, my brain was basically saying, uh, "Okay, this laptop's got Wi-Fi. You're going to need a wireless router. We got a nice wireless router for you." Blah blah blah. I said, "Okay, I'll call you in a couple of weeks. We'll get this thing set up so you can use it." And I call you today, and <laughs> I said, "Okay, you need to unplug that cable from." She goes, "You go. There's already a wireless." router on top of the computer and i'm like where did that come from 
you bought it. It was, you know, when, uh, and it only shows how full our minds were. It was at my dad's funeral time. Yeah, and I had actually bought, I had brought one with me, set it up, and didn't even realize that I had had done that. Mm -hmm. What a knucklehead I am. Chantel brought her new apple. Yep. And Dean, cousin Dean, came, he and Pokey, when they came, he brought his. It was just almost like your board meeting. Everybody sitting around with their computers yep. at my kitchen table. It was so fun. So we didn't even have to do anything, only plug the darn thing in and let it connect to it. Yeah, you could have been using it all this time. And, uh, jeez, <laughs> what, a, what a knucklehead I am. It's so, okay. It's okay. So I, I have been busy, too. So, But anyway, you're up on your laptop, and next time around, maybe I'll be able to get out there in the meantime, and maybe we can... Uh, Figure out how to get you uh, tied into the uh, video stream here, because uh, they're they're coming to hear see you, but they see me, and we've got a few people on UStream that are uh, trickling in on the live feed. So, uh, and they're listening to crazy me and watching fun you. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's fun me. I think I'd rather have them watching fun you and, and listening <laughs> to crazy me. So anyway, um, you uh, you had a guest appearance. On a podcast down in Australia. Why don't you tell me yeah. about that? Well, um, kind of interesting. Uh, Channel Irk, Eric, uh, has a you have a to po- You have to say his name, Irk. People don't okay. know who Irk is. Right, for Irk. Um, he and his mother do a podcast. And uh, I think we may have been some of the inspiration for that or whatever. It's called Blast from the Past. Right. And uh, anyway, uh, she is learning to become computer literate, and I'm I'm one of her. I mean, she listens to our podcast. So um, we he set up a, a surprise birthday party, so to speak, for her, doing a live podcast, and then had uh, some of their friends. In fact, Tucker Tom had sent a recording, and then he called, and then I surprised his mom. So it was just fabulous, just fabulous. And the fun part of, I think, that's happened from all of this is she and I now uh, email back and forth. She's learning to do Gmail. And Irk is now in the United States for, uh, he's here on holiday. He's planned and planned and planned and saved and saved, I'm sure, for this wonderful trip. He's out on the West Coast, and he's, he's going to make a big circle in the United States. And when he gets near Michigan, I'm going to take him out to supper. Well, that'll be fun. So, you know, I yeah. had, I had uh, kind of told him, I said, how come you're not stopping in Hawaii? And he really wanted to, but the cost to make the kind of this, the, you know, the, the side trip to Honolulu was, I think, almost as much as his airline ticket. So it, it just Probably. didn't work out. Yeah. I think one of the very interesting things, and it's it's such a small world in a way. I mean, how all our emotions crisscross. Yeah. But Irk, it runs a he drives a train. Yep. And it's like, oh my gosh! And he told this story on one of his podcasts about when they were talking about trains, uh, about before he was actually driving um, tr- the train, he worked. On the, he sold tickets and, you know, and that sort of thing at the train station and the 
uh, where people entered. And then one of his jobs was, if there was some kind of an accident, to review the tapes. Oh. And uh, they had um, a girl who committed suicide by jumping in front of the train. Right. And they have different cameras along, and they have to take and splice all those, uh, all that together so it's seamless so the authorities can determine, okay, was she pushed or, you know, many, you know, till, till they rule on how this, what, the, how this accident really came about. And, and that was his job at this time to splice all those tapes together, find that spot on all those tapes, and he watched that accident. I just can't imagine but he watched that accident to the point where there actually is a syndrome, and it's called identifying with the victim. Mm-hmm. And he had to wind up getting counseling, taking time off work. He was so affected by this. I would, you know, I just can't imagine having to have done that. I know it. And of course, then my thoughts, which I have often wondered before about the people on the train that hit Bob. Right. You know, how, how we never, we, we think about the victim side of it. We don't, we don't think about they're also a victim. It's true. You know, you think about a big, huge train, you know, you're not thinking about there's a guy driving this thing. Right. Yeah. And he's, you know, um, helpless to do anything about, uh, you know, what he's about to see. And uh, it would would be, it would very, be very, you know, I'm sure it would never happen. Because probably the train uh, folks don't allow it, but it would it'd be interesting to get a conductor's perspective on this. Yes. Yep. So it's you know, and maybe they're forbidden to talk about it or whatever. But well, if someone works uh, in the uh, train industry, maybe they'll maybe they'll say you know maybe this is a topic that uh, you know because you know you always you know you hear about the victim, but again you don't ever hear about the people that you know. And of course you know we were in a situation like you know. Of course, immediately trying to think of, okay, what were they doing wrong? Why would that train it? <laughs> you know, right. and you're not even thinking. Well, you know, and I think we've all came to terms with what happened. But, the, um, you know, you just wonder if there's any, like, ERCAT, this ongoing trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would think that you would never take that. You It would be like anything else traumatic in your life. I think back to when Chantel and I were in that car accident when she was a baby you know i can still close my eyes and see that that car probably three feet away from hitting me you know i mean in you you can close your eyes and i bet todd you've had some pretty harrowing mm-hmm. experiences that you can close your eyes and you can see that you, that never leaves you no yeah that's true and i would imagine the same would be for them they close their eyes and see that that little um it's like a freeze frame or something before your eyes, that horrible few seconds before the impending accident. Well, this is, you know, this is part of the thing that goes along with the post-stress traumatic syndrome is these guys getting PSTS. They're coming uh-huh. back from Iraq. You know, they've seen all this stuff. It's registered in their brain. You know, yep. they may have, uh, they may be okay with it. It's like when I uh, retired you know, because I'd been in combat, they were and they asked me some very specific questions about PSTS, but they always leave the PSTS block open in your VA paperwork because so many uh, folks are 
affected down the road. They don't maybe they're okay two, three, four, five years, and all of a sudden you look at the Vietnam vets; they're still dealing with PSTS. Right. So I'm sure it's a form of PSTS when you know right. it's it's just a psychological thing. But the and maybe it's more than that, and I shouldn't say just a psychological thing, but it's uh, it is uh, a psychological. Yeah, thing. yeah, you know, and and uh, and I sleep good at night based upon you know what my experience was, but who knows? I don't think I'd ever have this come up to haunt me, but they've had enough experience with it. That's why they leave it open on uh, on VA stuff. I think of Alexandra with the uh, sacral cranial, and what the people have tried to do with her is to uh, have her release that, because it, it tells in one of my books here someplace that we, we take something and it goes somewhere in our body. And, and you think in a way, okay, maybe maybe it goes to my brain, but, but it says that the body stores stress, trauma, something like that that's so big, it could store it, let's say, in your knee. Or maybe it stores it in the liver. Or anyway, the, the body sends a, a horrible, whatever this electrical impulse is that makes this thing up, it sends it somewhere. And it stores it there. Then in order to, okay, if you don't get it out of there, Sometime you're going to have trouble in that part of your body. Hmm. Maybe your liver's going to, you know, you're going to get cancer of the liver. So they, so they think those memories are actually stored in muscles? That's what they're, instead of your brain? Y- yes. They're stored in, in, the body sends it somewhere. I mean, it's still in your brain, but the brain sends the stressful emotion, or whatever you want to call it, the hurt, or the, hides it in a sense actually somewhere you'd probably have a good conversation with a lot of people because i don't think you know i i think some people wouldn't buy into that well that makes it was like quite a revelation to me but but also here's the other thing that makes you wonder um people in very high levels like i always think of like presidents or something Mm -hmm. or you know people in uh, high stress jobs um they so often, if if they're a huge stress, they get something. You know, they get uh, cancer of the whatever, or they get, you know what I mean, they get some illness that manifests itself in some weird part of their body, and it makes you wonder, okay, did they, were they storing, or not they, I mean, you don't, it's, not, it's done subconsciously, it's not done consciously. But, you know, so often people in very high jobs, you know, die young or, or have, you know, have some, there be, be, especially if things went bad. Right. Well, there's also this, uh, you know, there's also the syndrome of, um, the one of the reasons why, <laughs> this is a statistic that's not current, but it used to be that if a guy did 20 years in the military, his life expectancy was, was uh, six to seven years. And, Whoa. Yeah, because they'd worked this high-stress um, high job, and yeah. then all of a sudden, um, you know, they're, they're, they're no longer working these stress jobs, and the body reacts the opposite way. 
So now oh. that people now that people are working second careers, you know, they're staying busy, so that's not so much an effect anymore. And then their body has a chance to readjust, perhaps, to the new lifestyle, so to speak. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Someone was asking on Ustream, is this live? Yes, it's live. Uh, Mom is... Uh, <laughs> Mom's in Michigan. She's up on the, uh, we got her up on uh, on the phone. And we got a number of people in here listening. So, well, we're just talking about, so, go ahead. Just, just going back to Alexandra, though, the cranial sacral people, their goal was to find and help her release where she was hiding or her body had put this trauma from the train accident so that, she didn't have a nervous breakdown at 40 or, you know what I mean, or develop cancer at 30 or, you know what I mean, something they want to, that's one of their ongoing goals is to try and relieve, pull out and let her body release Right. this, this stress or whatever the word is you care to use for it in her body. So it's, a, it's very interesting and very, very deep. There's something going on. I don't know if we are. I don't. I'm going to have to refresh a page here. But uh, somebody. This is interesting. The actual broadcast stopped. So uh, that was odd that that was doing that. Wow. Yes. People are asking. They no wonder. No wonder they were. Uh, no wonder they were confused on whether or not we were live or not because <laughs> the the broadcast was actually stopped. So. Uh, that was that's kind of weird. I think we're dealing with some real secretive stuff here. Is it <laughs> higher powers? Oh, that's too funny. The people are, were watching my uh, previous podcast, so that's uh, that's what was going on there. So oh, it switched. <laughs> oh, so no wonder they're like. He, someone's asked me, "Is this live? Is this live?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is live." And then I look over at the the side monitor and I see myself from my previous show recording. I'm like. That's not Whoops. right. So I hit refresh and it came up. So who knows? Um, well, anyway, the uh, yeah, that's pretty pretty interesting topic, Mom, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's very very interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a little comment here, and then I want to jump into something else that kind of goes right along this line. But uh, one of my girlfriends, Martha Ann, uh, you know, we always laugh and hee haw about. Um, we're from a hick town, little city, you know, all that crap. Uh, not even a little city. We're not a city. We're a town or a village. Yeah, they, they, it's, yeah it's classified a village. They don't even classify themselves as a town. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Martha Ann, you know, she's been pretty well-traveled and whatnot. And she laughed one day because you always can count on Martha Ann for a witticism. Right. And she said, Jerry. We've probably backed up and in reverse, driven backwards further than some of our local folks have gone forward. And I just <laughs> that is kind of an interesting way to take it because, or say that, it's not necessarily that they have not, you know, how should I say it? You know, what happens is I go places and I'll start talking about stuff and you get that look. And you yeah, get that, like that dear that far away squinting like, look. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's <laughs> it, you know, it's just like you know, uh, Oprah had, had uh, uh, she did her first Twitter yesterday. She did her first tweet. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, so you know, of course, it made big national news, right? Uh -huh. And I'm sure up to that point, there was probably you know, a hundred thousand or three hundred thousand people watching her show that had not a clue what uh, right. 
what that was. And, you know, all of a sudden they're discovering this stuff. And, like, you know, I'm looking back, and we've been up on Twitter now since the beginning. So it uh, it's kind of funny. You know, it is it is true that there is a – but, you know, even us, now you, you have to look at it to go even deeper. There are other people who are even more well-traveled and see right. – that probably think these guys are just a bunch of hicks. Right. <laughs> Well, they've been nowhere. They're, you know. And, and they have definitely gone further in reverse than we have gone forward. Right. And it's not necessarily <laughs> about traveling, but it's about life experiences. And, yeah. You know, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, you know, I have to laugh because, you know, in, in the kids say stuff all the time. And I'm like, okay, all right, you just have to grow a little bit. You can't, you, you know, you can't comprehend this comprehend, uh, conversation until you're at least 20, you know, and so – but you you said you were you had mentioned that you had saw something on a news program that you wanted to talk about and yeah I haven't you know you didn't talk to me about this before so I'm not up to speed on what it is. Well, this is kind of a Chantel had sent me a Mayo Clinic uh, mental health <laughs> mental health okay um, article that she found really interesting. It was called a resilience. Uh, resilience, and then it uh, builds skills to endure hardship. And it's talking about when something goes wrong, do you tend to bounce back or fall apart? People with resilience harness inner strengths and rebound more quickly from a setback or challenge, whether it's a job loss or an illness or the death of a loved one. And then it talks in here about tips to improve your resilience in this article. And... um, uh, so here's a few of the tips that I liked. It said to get connected, uh, build strong, positive relationships, uh, family, friends, and so on. Uh, use humor and laughter, uh, remaining uh, positive or finding humor in distressing situations. Uh, learn from your experiences and uh, take care of yourself. I thought those were some real, uh, really good points. There are more, but I'm not going to quote the whole article. But um, along that same line, what I thought was interesting, because these all kind of fit fit right in together, uh, Glenn Beck had a guy, an author named Ben Sherwood, who wrote uh, a book called Survivor's Club. And he talked about community. He said survivorship is about community. And that doctors say the size of the crowd or the community in the ER waiting room is the X factor of survivorship. What does he mean by the waiting room and the X factor? I don't follow that. Okay, if uh, your loved one or if you are in surgery, we'll say after an accident or something, mm-hmm. you, depending on how many people show up to, to be there waiting for you, pray for you, worry about you, uh, the more that are in the waiting room, the more apt you are to survive. Hmm. And I think about Alexandra, the night we were, that she, we all finally showed up and she, after, you know, before she went off to Indianapolis to Riley's. The, all these people came. You know, first it was me and the three siblings, her other brothers and sisters, sister. Then Bob's sisters, brothers, you know what I mean, Bob's mm-hmm. folks. All these people came. You know, was that part of the factor that ensured her survivorship? You know, it stood to reason that that's what this book says. 
Hmm. He says isolation is very dangerous. But the thing and is, do they does it require the person to know that those people are there? Apparently, they somehow know, hmm. or whatever's going on out there. Um, I, I don't think that person is required to know. I think that person just—it's the rooting and the camaraderie and the prayer and everything that projects right to them and give. It, it, you know, it's it's. It, and and he didn't really say, but I'm thinking that if you may not know. Hmm. But if they're there for you, then, you know, that's that's got to mean that whatever whatever those people project that are there envelops you somehow. I don't know, Todd. Hmm. That's a, a good question. I'm looking at the uh, – there's a post on uh, uh, the Washington Post blog about this book because I Googled it while you were talking about it. And uh, apparently he went through and interviewed hundreds and, I don't mm-hmm. know, it doesn't say thousands, but hundreds of survivors of near-death, you know, people that had near-death situations. And, to find uh, out what the X factor was, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he can, he's got a website. It's uh, the SurvivorsClub.com is the website. So the book it's, is like 25 bucks or something, yeah, $26. Probably get it on Amazon. It's probably fascinating. He said that a community can be your neighbors. It could be the people on your street, whatever. Right. Um, and he says uh, you're two times more likely to die in the next nine years if you are isolated. I thought that was very scary. Hmm. Uh, also, your community might be your church or even uh, a small sense of community. Well, don't you, think, don't you think after Dad died, us being forced, really— we didn't want to work, but we had to work. Being forced to go out and get into the, our community, <laughs> yeah, and we had to, you know, we had a cooler full of peaches we had to get rid of. So, yep. you know, nine hundred bushel or whatever was in there, we had to get rid of, and they had to be and we delivered. Went right out to people that were rooting for us. That's right. So that's interesting. Yes. So it's not only uh, after death; it's in the recovery process too. That mm-hmm, community, and that's mm-hmm. about that resilience thing where you're talking about earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. Feeds right into that. Um, he. Uh, one of the people he interviewed uh, from Pensacola was uh, the, uh, I have written scrappy notes here, but it looks like I wrote about the Dean of the Navy, Survival of Land and Sea. He's talking about the number one thing to survive on land and sea was uh, faith in God. Uh, he said he'd trained people for 40 years, uh, you know, uh, even to prisoners of war. Anyway, faith in God. Uh, faith in family and faith in friends, hmm. and those will get you through the toughest of times. To have those. Uh, well, don't you think that's that's okay? That's not only in survivor situations; that's in re- everyday life things. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yeah. Especially today, when you know we're looking around at people who are visibly stressed, distressed. You know, the economy and everything else. That's uh, you know, it's being really hard on people. Yeah. So it's it's a time to it's always a good time to survive. But I did have to laugh. Uh, well, I actually shouldn't have laughed, but it was a, and this will this will make you mad. So I was reading a CNN article. I normally normally read that uh, website, but apparently somewhere out west they rounded up a bunch of illegals and instead of deporting them, they gave them uh, permits to work. So they. <laughs> So all Americans are out of jobs. They're still uh, they're giving the illegals permits to work, you know. So I was like, oh boy, that's that's a smart one right there. So 
<laughs> There's some resiliency for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those guys came as a community, That's and they got what they were they at. They sure did. They got there, <laughs> and no deportation for them. So, oh, boy. But anyway, uh, and you know, you know, it, uh, we can take us. We can spend a whole how half hour on that subject alone. We, I guess we probably shouldn't. But you know, um, you uh, we knew Grandma was. Uh, you know, ever since Grandpa died, she was uh, boy. It was almost like straight downhill. Right. And she had kind of lost her community, hadn't she, Todd? When you think about it, I mean, she and Dad were like one. Yeah. How many years? There were eighty. Was it eighty? Seventy-eight years. Seventy-eight they years they were married. That's just uh, that's just amazing. You think about it, putting up with one person for seventy eight years. That's <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that is kind of Survivors Club right there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, she uh, and, and we kind of ex- you know this was not uh, necessarily a surprise. We kind of expected, uh, or we thought that this might be the course of action. And I think we braced ourselves because statistics show that um, when two people have spent a long life together or that they one follows the other one pretty rapidly. Right. So we were all we were prepared for whatever happened. And I think and, uh, I think uh, during the last podcast you had talked um about the you know going to the emergency room and the doctor having the discussion with you and matter of fact you'd gotten right. some emails on that that we'll cover at the end. Right. But you know basically from that point forward there was you know a, a steady decline yes, really it was it was just steady and it it was you know she didn't have a disease she didn't you know her body was just failing right and little by little you could just tell you know things weren't working quite quite right this wasn't working quite right uh her mind was you know she'd have a, a couple weeks before she actually died which was march 6th when she died she she was actually quite coherent. She knew me, you know, she knew Jim. She talked about, um, I, I talked, we talked about, you know, I knew she wanted to be with Dad and be with Jesus and we would be fine. She was fighting so hard. I mean, she was such a brave woman. She'd always fought her whole life through, you know. I mean, that's how she was, a huge survivor. She's had incredible things in her life you know she survived a car accident that they said she would never walk um just you know just just amazing and uh, a godly woman she never she never talked bad about anybody i mean i don't ever always, i don't that's that's true i never i don't you know she may not like someone but she didn't say nothing no and anything you ever did for her was the best you know, it was the best meal she ever had. It was the most beautiful flowers anybody ever gave her. Anything you did for her was, it was the best, you right, know. And right, She was a grateful woman. She had said long ago that oh, uh, people don't like a grumpy old person. So she had asked God to let her grow old and be sweet. And God granted her that wish. You know, he he she, she was almost completely blind she had macular degeneration and and it was really cruel too because oh, it was, she, she lost her lost her sight the hearing of course was gone because of age yeah and then dementia you know they at the end you know you're just like and it was just so sad and you know it's like the last couple of days that she lived um 
you know, her heart was either beating 50 beats a minute or like 150. And it was, she was like panting and some of the time, and they described it to me as like if if you ran to the mailbox kind of thing, that was how her body was feeling. And um, it was just, it was so sad. And like I said, she didn't have a disease, but it was just little by little things failing. Right. And, um, and so many, and she had had so many strokes. Yes. You know, these little mini strokes that weren't really huge, massive ones, but just these consistently these mini strokes. And, and there would always be a little damage left after that. You know, she would be weak for a while on, you know, one side or the other, and she would... Uh, her face might droop or she might lose some of her speech for a few hours and some of that would kind of repair. And then before she would have one of these strokes, she seemed to be very antagonized and almost um, combative. Right. You know, she would paw and strike out at you, you know. And people, and and the thing is, that was the symptom. That was what was amazing, that people said, yeah, that's a symptom of that. Yeah. Yep. And we didn't even know it, you know. And you just you just learned so much. But the very interesting experience that I had uh, was, uh, okay, we had uh, two helpers there. Jim, Brother Jim was there, and uh, one of the hospice people were there. You dropped out a little bit. You said it had a hospice there. And uh, well, uh, yeah, there was. Uh, my, Jim was there. Right. That they pretty much the day before and that day, the day that she died, and they called, and I was unloading my truck and said, I think you better, you know, I, I had, like, said goodbye to my mom. I can't tell you how many times, you know. Right, right, right. And um, so they called, we better get down here, you know, we think that it's close. And um, it was, I got almost to the house, and, Todd, I just had this incredible feeling i felt this weight literally leave my shoulders it was like i i mean i knew that that was what was she was experiencing mm-hmm. it was like her spirit was leaving that worn out body that heavy worn out body but she you was, actually felt something and you didn't you didn't know but you knew i i knew i knew when I felt it, I felt I felt this. Oh, I was just like fluttering right off from my like if I don't know like wings leaving my shoulders or hmm. weight, and and I I knew immediately that that was that I was simultaneously feeling her leaving her body. That's incredible. Her spirit. I mean, I just knew I. Slammed into the driveway, you know. I zoom in. But you were close, said, though, at the time. You're yeah, pretty. Yep. I was just like, you know, just within sight, and and they said, "Hurry, she's she's just taking her last breath." And I said, "I know." I mean, I and I was not even. I was so happy. I couldn't even hardly cry at that moment. I was just grateful to for that feeling of freedom hmm. that I had experienced, that weightlessness that I felt that she, I felt it was simultaneously the same thing she was feeling. I have no way of knowing that. It was just how I felt. Huh. And 
I but you had made this trip, but you had, but you'd made this trip before. We thought she was, you know. Oh the, yes, yes. And, and you know, so all what, times of day and night, early yeah. in the morning, late at night, in the middle, of, you know. Yeah, come yeah. now, come, you know, come now, come immediately, you know. So it is kind of, uh, kind of interesting. Right. So it was. It, of course, then you know it settled in, and and I was able to cry later. But at that first few minutes, I was just so filled with joy for her right to think that she had escaped and how weightless she felt when she left if that was how she felt or how we feel when we die i want to tell you it's fabulous hmm. it's just you just feel i i literally felt like my shoulders were raising that i i just felt this weight going off of me and uh, you know i just well, you know, you'd been carrying a pretty heavy load with everything going on. And, you know, maybe that was uh, maybe his way of giving you a little tap on your shoulder and say, okay, you know, that's your job's done and the burden's on me now, you know, or something. Maybe. Yeah, you know. That, that, that's very, you know, but it, it was it was just incredible. So anyway, of course, Jim has had a real hard time. Yeah, of he, course. He wouldn't even say goodbye to her. He didn't want to give her up. And um, actually, we had already scheduled surgery for him for the week after her her death, which we went ahead and did because we already had it scheduled. He had, uh, remember, he had the hemorrhoid problem, external bleeding hemorrhoids, and probably from all the years of picking them up when they fell down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so... He's in recovery from his surgery. He did fine. Uh, everything went well, and the doctor gave him, uh, okay, unless something weird happens. So, I mean, he's still under restrictions as far as lifting and all that sort of thing, but but he's doing fine to a degree. And meanwhile, then I've been sorting out their house. <laughs> and, you know, um, I guess the best way to describe this is that <sighs> they haven't been able to get upstairs very well for the last, you know, who how many years. But uh, you're uh, finding stuff. Or downstairs. That, you're finding stuff that you have not. And then the house is not, like, full of stuff. It's just rooms are cluttered and there's stuff stacked in corners. And one room was pretty full, though, right? Right. One of the rooms upstairs had uh, was, seemed to be, like, kind of a catch-all room. And um, they... Um, they are definitely pack rats. I think people become that way when they get old. Maybe I'm not real sure. Well, I'm I'm scared to death. The way Shoko pack rat stuff now, <laughs> I'll have a house that's got. I'll be one of those. You know, you hear those stories about people that have uh, papers to the ceilings and stuff. Oh, oh yeah, right. Yep. So the way Shoko likes newspapers. <laughs> like, the way she likes to collect newspapers and papers and read. Oh my goodness, we'll have a house full. Yeah. Well, we've been. I have been sorting. Um, I have to, the house is in terrible condition. Uh, the I want to say physically the house, and um, also you know back when Dad died, we felt there had been some problem with some things walking out of his tool shop and so on. Right, so, we went down there and secured all that and put right. Yeah, and uh, so what we're what our goal is is to um, sort through and and you know I have to say that. It's been an interesting 
experience because I'm I'm not only getting you know through the stuff, trying to pick out things that you kids might want. You're not there to figure out what you might want, but I'm almost reconnecting. I want to say like with a happier time in our lives mm-hmm. when. We all were having more fun when my folks were normal. To you know what I mean, their health was better. Um, I found the, my bongo drums from college. You know. How how many years has uh, been since you've seen those? I can't even think. I I can't even <laughs> think. I I forgotten I even had them, and I don't know what they're doing there. I guess they never left home after I got married. You know. Right, right. I even found your evil Knievel action figure and his motorcycle and i'm pretty sure that is worth some money so we'll have to have that one set aside and uh, put somewhere so that my kids can sell it when they get older right (laughs) so we have um, some very fun things that that we've come across and so i've been putting tubs of stuff you know i just take these plastic uh, storage tubs see-through and there wasn't much organization down there because you'll find old toys in one place and then you'll find uh, tax papers in the same area (laughs) (laughs) from 1942. Now, not quite that old, but maybe 1990-something. So um, this goes in to be a treasure, and that goes in the trash. (laughs) So so have you you found any money stuck, like, in between mattresses or anything like that? No, I haven't. (laughs) Doggone it. (laughs) We, 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 We had predicted that we would find... Money, but you have not. I uh, have not. Yeah, no. we predicted we would find money hid, but uh. we, they must have spent it, <laughs> <laughs> or the mice ate it. I'm not sure which. <laughs> yep. Uh, shoot. So, but, um, so are you getting? You know, you, you know, you did the auctioneer call you back? What's the? Uh, no, he hasn't. He gave me. I told him I wanted a Saturday in looking toward the end of June, so probably after PodCamp Ohio. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm looking toward is uh, to have the to have the auction. Yeah, Hopefully I don't, I don't, I I don't know. It's, I, think it's, I think you're going to – it's a tall order to be ready by then considering what's in those barns. I know. The barns is, the, is, is quite the challenge. Yeah, you're going to need about 20 people out there. To... <laughs> right, strong people to move yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a challenge. So but, the, the house sorting will, continues. I think that, that the auctioneer will be able to look at, I mean, they're trained for that, so he'll probably be able to say how long I need to get ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> as long as, I don't know if they bring people in to set that stuff up or if you have to. I guess it's all dependent on how much of a percentage you give them. Yeah, uh, I we are boxing things right now. Into, but then it's got to be carried from our staging area to tables or whatever. So um, you'll have to you hire know, some Amish kids to come down yep. and yep. The day before or something, and yep. we work like beavers uh, putting stuff out. You'll have to sleep out there with that stuff because <laughs> we'll have to cover it with tarps. <laughs> that's for sure. The weather's so unpredictable in Michigan. Or, or someone, you know, with the economy the way it is, you might come back the next morning and it's all hauled <laughs> off. Someone <laughs> might have taken it. Jeez. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Sit out there with a shotgun at night, making sure no one takes anything. Yep. It's just... <laughs> but um, to a lighter note, Todd, I do have a, another cat story. Oh, it can't be any better than the one that uh, where the cat got stuck. No, 
it's it's not nearly that good, that's for sure. But it's kind of a it's kind of interesting. Um, okay, about a week ago, well, during spring break, my helper, who's a high schooler, anyway, his family went to um, went on vacation for spring break. That's pretty normal, like most many many people do. And he told me before he left, he said something weird. He said uh, stripes. Now that's a cat that. Anna, your Anna named, uh, she uh, rescued this stray, and he was never a particularly friendly cat. He's a big yellow cat, and he has, you know, darker orange stripes. Right. And she called him Stripes. So uh, Mike was telling me how skinny Stripes was. He thought it was really weird. Stripes doesn't look right. He's very skinny. (laughs) He's been out out catting around. Right. (laughs) That's what I told him. He says, well, he, man, he came in the barn. He just mowing down the food, you know. And we were hee-hawing about that. Well, Mike went uh, on spring break and, like, oh, and then Bessie, my dog, had tried to chase stripes. In fact, I had spanked her very severely for, I mean, she plays with the, the they all play with each other. Right. But she was downright trying to, she was, ah, you know, and confronting the cat and, trying to chase the cat off. Right. Well, it didn't even click with me, but uh, like a day or two later, I hear this hissing noise. I turn around, and there's two stripes. (laughs) (laughs) And a stripe and a a stray cat, large. When they're together, you could definitely tell that they were different. So so you had an imposter. Who yes. was uh, coming in and, and feeding. And, of course, yes. Bethy knew the difference between the two cats. Yes. And that's why she was oh, trying to that is too funny. the cat away, <laughs> and I was punishing her. So you felt Thank bad her. about, I'm sure you feel bad about <laughs> yes. punishing her. Oh, right. my gosh. And it's a huge cat, like Stripes is. It's a great big cat, and I'm hoping it's not pregnant. Oh. So... <laughs> well, it's not a he, then. <laughs> I think it's a she. Oh, no. Oh, man. So, of course, all the grandkids will be very thrilled, you know, that there's another cat around here. But it's taken residency now, and it's much friendlier than stripes. Oh, my goodness. So, I hear, <sighs> you're, what are you up to, four or five? Uh, I had six, and this would be number seven. Now, they're all outdoor cats, right? You don't... Right. They li- they're in and out of the barn. Yeah, so it's not like they're living in the house. So just no. Because people get weirded out when people have a lot of cats in right. the house. They're, uh, they they actually patrol the barn. We don't have any mice in the barn. You know, that's of our, course. That's where our produce is our at. Produce yeah. is right, and and some they come and go. You well, know, actually, I mean, they, they can't they get to the, they can't get to the produce. The produce is in the cooler. They're outside oh, the cooler. Of course. Yeah, they they don't. Yeah, but they have uh they have their litter box and they have a food thing there and they have water bowl and and, um, and it's a big barn. It's a forty by sixty barn. You know, and they have some. Uh, boxes with for there to sleep in with those who are come in to stay for the night, and those who are outside. I don't know whether where they they go out in the garage because there's a back entrance they can get in the garage. Right. So you know we have uh, our old cat Fluffy, and then uh, we had the cat that I rescued from my dad's mama cat who had Earl Grey and Blondie. That Earl Grey was the one that got caught down beside the wall. Right. <laughs> And then uh, Monique uh, took a cat home from when they were here oh, I one bet you, time. Oh, I bet you good. 
but she brought back one of its babies. <laughs> that's, 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 my... that's not how that's supposed to work. She's supposed <laughs> to take them and keep them, not bring more back. <laughs> so that was Maui that came back. And then Stripes, who we, like, he's, you, you know, we don't, we see him every three or four days. He comes in to eat and leaves or whatever. And now we have <laughs> Stripes Imposter. That's so funny. Well, we've covered a lot here, all the way from uh, Columbus, this train syndrome thing you're talking about, talking about your this book about uh, the Survivors Club. Of course, uh, you know we've got we've been it's been a while. It's two months since we did a show, and uh, it's, it's really too long, honestly, because we kind of forgot what we talked about in the last show. But you had some email, right? Uh, yeah, I had um, Frank. Um, he, um, okay, let's see. You're getting a little quiet on me. Oh, okay. I was kind of, kind of going to summarize this. Uh, Frank actually, uh, he was, when I talked about the emergency room thing and the doctor talking with me so frankly about, you know, uh, bodies and what they do, and, um, Frank was, he uh, copies my podcast and puts them on CDs for his non-techie sister (laughs) that's in the area with mom. But he said, um, uh, okay, mom's a great gal and gave and gave and gave to others her whole life. She held our family together uh, when dad died at 53. I've quickly made a CD of your recent podcast for my non-tech sister living up there in the area. She loves your podcast, and she will be transfixed by what you shared. Um, he said um, he was thinking that it might be good that he would think about that if if his 89-year-old mom is in a nursing home, and if they have you know, if this comes up, it will help them make a decision, you know, without agonizing so much over the the over what the body is doing. Let 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 that person's body be the boss, so to speak. And as my mom was was dying and we went to the emergency room and she wasn't going to be repaired. You can't repair a body that's giving giving away little by little. If the quality of life is good, it's one thing. Right. If but the if mind the is good, wearing out. But if you, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he was commenting about you know, gosh, at eighty nine, and then, uh, gosh, I wish I knew how to pronounce this name. Oh, you do just do like I do, make it up. Oh, okay. Uh, G. Guat. Guat. It looks like. Uh, it's how's, how's it spelled? G o g u i o t. Guat. Gui. Oh, okay, I'm. I think it's French. Okay, I'm. I'm not gonna try. He sent condolences to us. Well, that was the nice. Passing of my mother because you had talked about it. He is uh, Greg in St. Louis, actually. Oh, okay. So that's his last name. All right. And because you had talked about Mama on your podcast. And, right, right, right. Um, so anyway, that kind of covers the... It covers the gambit. Yes. And, uh, well, that uh, that's, that's a lot of stuff. And we are 51 minutes, so... <laughs> <laughs> we went pretty... Well, 
pretty long time. We got a few people watching on Ustream too. So uh, I got uh, Barry's in here, and of course, wow. um, Hi, I, I, I don't know if we can uh, don't say anything. We can hold that to later. We, if, oh, well, just never mind. You know where I'm going there. <laughs> the whole audience is like, "What is he talking about?" I'm, <laughs> I don't want to share information publicly that uh, I don't have permission to, so I, I won't. But Barry's on, and uh, uh, Geek Listener's on, and a couple other people on too from Ustream as well. So uh, Barry says hi, Sherry back. So uh, uh, he's uh, he's watching from Grand Rapids. My best wishes to Barry as his wife is fighting a gallant battle, also. So, all right, Mom. I guess uh, that wraps things up here. And um, if anyone has any comments on the show today, Sherry Cast. C H E R I E Sherrycast at gmail dot com, and we welcome your input. We love it. And uh, I guess we'll have to uh, try to put this on. What we'll try to do is maybe we'll try to do this show the same days I do the roundtable because we did a roundtable oh. earlier today, and maybe I can just schedule that in at the same time. So, but it's, uh, uh, we have been preempted by a lot of things lately, Todd. That's how we always get preempted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life is just busy, you know. That's, that's just the way. It it's just the way it is. So um, anyway, I guess that's it. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, I'm. I'm kind of. I'm caught up on my notes, and uh, what we missed, we'll catch the next time. And it's midnight there in in uh, Michigan, so I guess it's yes, a good it time. <laughs> my <laughs> clock is tolling the hour. Good. The goodest time is any to uh, to uh, sign off. All right, everybody. Visit SherryCast.com. Again, email comments to SherryCast at gmail.com. All right, Mom, good night. Have a wonderful evening, Todd. All right, everyone else, thanks for listening. Aloha. Aloha.